What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Soft Tissue Practice Revolution, the podcast. I'm Dr. Matt Maggio, where my mission is to help practitioners that specialize in soft tissue treatment and how to significantly increase their skill set and their business, scale their practice, make more money, all while being ethical and not ripping patients off. So we're on episode 29, and this episode is another one of our great coaching calls. Uh, I've been sharing these a lot, and they've done really well. A lot of downloads, a lot of good feedback from these. So really appreciative to our client that we're working with. He's all the way over in Australia and he's awesome because he has a background in soft tissue. He's finishing up chiropractic school and he's really getting things in the right place. So on this episode, we dive in deep about a lot of things like starting up the practice and more mindset things and really just using these as a helpful tool to help people just kind of learn from my struggles and the things that I've accumulated over the years. I've accumulated a lot of information and I just want to share it with the world because as I always say, my goal is to help doctors show up better, help practitioners show up better so they can really give people the care that they need so they can avoid the bigger problems like pain pills and injections and everything like that. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, And as always, if you want to be part of the soft tissue revolution, all you got to do is click the link in the bio, go over to the Facebook page, ask a couple questions. If you fit our criteria, we'll approve you. Then you can be part of the revolution. But as always, I always appreciate people's attention and time that they give to this because I'm getting more and more downloads and it continues to encourage me to want to do this more and more. And if you have any topics you'd like me to cover, you know, send me a message directly wherever you're listening to this. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and I'm always there. Or you can send me a message directly to my private email at dot. Matt, M-A-T-T dot Maggio, M-A-G-G-I-O at thepeakmethod.com. But let's get right into it and we'll see you guys on the next one. All right, we're good. What's going on, man? Yeah, it's uh, still a busy time over here at the moment. We're, um, I've got two prac exams left to do today. Had um, had two yesterday, four last week, and uh, it's just been chaos. So... Um, yeah, we're stepping through it and um, just just trying to hang on at the moment. Yeah, you'll get you'll get no sympathy from me. You get empathy from me, but I know what it's <laughs> I know what it's like, and have fun with all that. And then remember that eighty five percent of this stuff you're remembering, you're not going to use when you get out in the real world. So yeah, look, it's been um, it's been a bit of a test. I think just uh, I, you know, I'm very grateful that I've got. We've sort of formed some good groups, I think, just in terms of the like my colleagues that are, are doing this with me, and, um, and and just the support that I get from just people around me. Like my my partner's just been awesome in in everything that she's done to keep me going, and just things like making sure I've got food for the week, and um, yeah, it just takes a takes a big chunk of time that that I don't have, and um, so yeah, I've been. Just, yeah, really grateful for the, the help that I've had from people. Yeah, it really helps having people on board to help you out because then you can focus on the things that are important. But let's uh, let's get right into it. I got your questions. Thanks for sending them over. Um, first one is, what is a common pitfall to avoid during the early stages of practice? Is there any one big thing that you've reflected on in development of the business or as a practitioner that you wish you could have known early? Great question. Um, there's a bunch of things. Um, one for me is that I'm, I'm still struggling with, even after I've been in practice for what, eight going on nine years. And I mean, I'm not even seeing patients anymore, but I just kind of run the clinic in the day to day. It's just like documenting 
everything that you do, like documenting your systems and processes, like what happens when a new patient calls in, like what do you have, like you wanna, you're, I was like you, like I was like what's called a solo, a solo entrepreneur, where basically I do it myself, so I just automatically assumed that I could just teach it and give it to people when they came in, but you need to operate now like you're a bigger business, like you're gonna have staff in there that you're gonna need to train and all that, and you wanna have all those systems and processes written in place. I just use like Google Docs and write down everything that you can think of, like how to answer the phone, how to do this, how to do this, because by the time you're ready to hire, and bring somebody on, the last thing you wanna do is have to spend more time training them up and doing that. If you have a system and process in place, it's gonna set you up so much better um, for any anyone that comes in because the thing is when you start hiring employees, you start doing that, they're flaky. You don't know how long someone's gonna last and if you have to bring somebody else on, you'll be ready. So I really wish I would've learned that early in my career. That's really, yeah, really good advice. I think um, you know in my previous career having worked in IT one of the, the big things that was kind of essential for every project that we put in place was to document big time around it because the people that implemented are the ones with all the, the intimate knowledge of it and, and they tend to move on to either to other projects or to other implementations or you know whatever it is but um, yeah having that documentation um, for anyone else to be able to pick up is absolutely huge because that's all the knowledge, but you know, it's it's kind of the task that uh, it sucks. Like no one really enjoys writing that stuff, I suppose. And so it, it would tend to sometimes get left by the wayside as well. But um, yeah, super important. I mean, I still fight it in my own practice, and my my fiance, she's she treats patients now, and she's more of the operations person, and she's really helped. And we've had some turnover in staff and and retraining people and it's just much easier you know like it's like here's a system and process in place and then you update it so it's what happened for me is that i wanted to store everything in my brain and i just thought that i could just regurgitate it but there needs to be systems in place and it needs to be documented um across the board um another thing that i would say in that one in that question too is um understanding the the importance of understanding business um, you hear me talk a lot about the five core functions of business, right? Lead generation, lead nurture, fulfillment, I mean, sales, fulfillment of product, and then retention, getting them to stay around. There's actually two other components that I don't talk about a lot in the f functions of business. One is just finances, and number two is just like human resources. And that'll the human resources part is a thing that I forgot about a lot over the years, is like as you get employees having like, that process in place. And then the other one is just finance, like understanding how a business runs, understanding how to do accounting, understanding how to do your own books and learning how to do everything and eventually outsourcing it. But like for me, I didn't I didn't understand what profit and loss meant for my first two or three years of practice. I just was working so hard on getting good at treatment that I didn't think about everything else. And I was like spending money stupidly and just not knowing what I'm doing. So getting a good background in accounting, putting good things in place and like setting time aside every week for 15, 20 minutes to make sure your books are straight, make sure things are, they're gonna build such good habits as you get into the future. Yeah, that's gotta be a big challenge for um, for anyone that like, 
you know, starts their own business and especially comes out of the, the education system and, and goes straight into that sort of role because it's, you know, they're, they're training you for the, the practitioner role in, in your education. But the, the other side of that, I suppose, in terms of operations and, and running a business is it's either kind of assumed knowledge or it's just, it's just not there yet. I would say that probably 98% of doctors coming out um, for practice have no clue what they're doing. I was, I was exactly one of those two. And the, the, the part that sucks is there are some good doctors out there. There are really high-end, great skills, like great soft tissue practitioners and things like that. But the problem is they don't know how to run a business and then they run out of money and then they can't do it. And then they think they fall into this trap that I, I say is where they think it's them. They think the problem is that they need more training and more technique training and all that, where it's like they need to figure out how to run a business, how to budget correctly, how to spend money on things that are important and be on top of their finances, you know? And that was a key, that's something I've learned the hard way. I'm still learning it as I go through, but it's, it's such an important skill because if the business doesn't have cash and doesn't function properly, you don't, you don't work. You know, the number one, what people always forget is like the number one function of a business is to make money so you can do the things you want to do. And if you're not good with your money and figuring out what this, what is important to spend on and what's not important, you're going to be in big trouble. So having that basis in there and understanding it's important and you can't just like blow it off it is so crucial if you were going back in time and uh so back to eight years ago for instance and fresh out of school and uh you i guess knew some of these things now would would you dive into business ownership um and and sort of creating all of that brand and system and everything from day one as a new practitioner, or do you think it would be better to to perhaps go and find uh, a more senior practitioner that, that you sort of aspire to be and work under them for a little while and, and then transition into business? I think nowadays with the way how ruthless the profession's becoming with people more and more, I think it's really hard to find someone um, that you can legitimately go and learn from that wants to help you without their own ulterior motives in mind about working you like a dog and treating you like crap. Um, so it's like more trying to find someone to mentor you instead of like working for that. And the biggest thing I would say on that is like find someone and actually pay for their time, like offer to pay for their time and say, Hey, you know, can I come shadow and pay you for your time? Like when you lead with that, um, most people were be like, no, you don't need to pay me. But the fact that you actually offered, you know, mm -hmm. is a, is a big, a big thing in there. But I mean, I don't, I wouldn't, I, I worked for someone when I first started and I absolutely hated it and I got screwed over. I think there's, there's more value in getting out there and learning yourself. And with you, you've already got experience in running a business and doing stuff like that. So you're already ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just a, it's just interesting just to um, to take on those those points from people because I think especially even just in um, in skills and and in um, being under someone that that has that sort of in the trenches type experience, you know, there's a, a lot to be gained out of just being around that environment as well. Um, so yeah, but you know, I, I like your approach with what you mentioned with. Sort of shadowing someone and, and doing that and um, you know the 
the times that I've sort of hung out with Marcus, which I'm going to do and hope to do again in, in the holidays, it's, um, you know, I've got a huge amount of benefit out of that just in being a fly on the wall and, and assisting a little bit, but it's, um, it's really beneficial. That's how I started. Like when I would come visit in Florida, my mom lived down here in every break. Um, the guy who got me into all this stuff and I would actually go, I'd spend my vacations down here shadowing and learning. Like everyone else, all my other friends would like go out drinking and do that. I'm like, I'm here to learn and, and learn that. And there was, there was value into that. I wouldn't go work for somebody, you know, I definitely wouldn't do that, but I would definitely go shadow and see what I could do to help out. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Awesome. I mean, I definitely agree. Yeah, and then for me, it's just like I said, hindsight, like there's a lot of things I wish I would have known, but basically the, the big thing for me is like having this resource of like this podcast that I'm making. I wish someone would have had something like this. You, you know, like uh, just to help you navigate through the things that are out there. And that's why I'm doing it um, and doing all these things is because I just want to help doctors coming out just be better versions of themselves so they can help people, you know, because the thing is there's so many good doctors out there, but they can't run their business so they can't help the people that need to be helped. So if you can help yourself first and do that, it's going to be a lot better. Yeah, I think part of it is just getting the getting the message out there. You know, some of the people that I've talked to um, and sort of ex explain a bit about like specialized soft tissue work, uh, and they really resonate with that. They really get it, and but it's um, it, it's just overcoming that barrier to sort of explain what it's about and 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 what the goal is, kind of thing. But when you get that across, um, you know they're in, like they, they love the idea. And so it's just, a, it's kind of a communication. Oh, it's all about communication. And today's podcast that got launched, I talked about the idea of like specializing and being niche as we've talked about there and like talking about the really? value the value of it. Like this idea of being like a- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my phone, my phone rang. No, we're good. We're good now. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's great, you know. I, I, had had this sort of uh, I guess even eight years ago when when you were kind of just I think just the fact that we can um, be on the other end of a computer on the other side of the world where you you know frankly you couldn't get much further away but yeah you know we can we can sort of sit here and have these conversations once a week and it just uh, for me it's just so beneficial to be able to pick your brains a little bit because I think you've just you've blazed this trail before me and I'm going to make a lot of these same encounter a lot of these same things and, and ask a lot of the same questions and probably have a lot of the same issues but it's just you know I, I really appreciate it it's just been awesome to be able yeah. to um, to connect like that I appreciate you being appreciative you know I uh, you know this is a stretch for me you know like I had basically but it's something that I'm committed to and I want to help you because like basically today I've been going since about 2 30 this morning and I was just still working up until the fact you're here, but this is important to me because not only for you, but for all the other people that I can help. So a lot of people start doing stuff. They start making podcasts, but then they kind of fizzle out making content after like 18 or 20 visits. But I'm like up into the thirties and I'm still going because I know that this can help a lot of people. So I'm glad to have you on board. Cause uh, like I said, these have been my most downloadable um, podcasts to date all the coaching calls that I put up of, of you. So there's a lot of people out there that want this information um, that need help. And I think it's just going to be great. Think about that. Like imagine like 
a year from now, like someone fresh coming out of school, they could go back and just basically listen to my podcast from the beginning and have like a resource and a blueprint and how to do things the right way. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I actually listened back to um, our last one just the other day when I was just driving home. And, you know, just, just for me to be able to have that and listen to it again, you know, you just pick up some nuggets that you may have missed the last time. And it just kind of, it's like a reminder sort of thing to go back and, and go over it. And some of the philosophy stuff that you talked about was awesome. And, yeah. And, um, yeah. So, no, it's great. I, I'm really glad we're doing it. All right, so number, question number two, uh, QL, so quadratus lumborum, contracture slash trigger point slash pain. Is is this generally always a sign of underlying disc pathology or irritation? Yes, all day. These patients often present to the massage therapist hoping to have it released, but this is a mistake and prolonging the problem, i.e. destabilizing a system that is trying to find stability by locking down the soft tissue. Is there a better approach to allow the disc some time to settle and start evaluating the lumbar spine and hip? You said it perfectly. Education, education, education. Um, basically, in this one, you have to communicate what's going on. Um, essentially, what they're having is an internal disc derangement. And the spasm that is happening is your body's way of trying to unload that. So I go into the idea of like, what happens, Chris, when you sprain your ankle? What do you do? What's your body do? You try to stop moving. You limp. You limp, and you stop moving. Why yeah. do you do? Why do you do that? Pain and you know minimizing further injury. Exactly. So the same thing is happening in your QL when it is spasming. So the problem is there's so many absurd jackasses out there that don't understand anatomy, don't understand pathology, and don't understand this. When you have a QL problem, a direct QL problem, this is ninety nine point nine nine percent the underlying disc disc pathology and usually with these people if you can educate them correctly and you do that and you actually throw other practitioners on the table be like yeah you go to the guy down the road he's going to jam on your ql it's going to hurt like hell and you know you're going to feel good for like 20 minutes but then you're going to be in a lot more pain so you know i hope that you don't do that i try to educate people on that i hate treating i never treat acute i never ever in my entire life touch anybody that's acute um, what I do is I use a whiteboard and explain what's going on and also give them the ramifications if they try to treat it before they actually figure out what the problem is. And at the end of the day, I want people to make an informed decision. They might be upset, but be like, you're going to thank me longer in the, you're going to thank me more in the long run because I was honest. So basically with those people, I'm like, you're having a problem. Here's what, they just want to know what's going on. This is why this is happening. Here's what to do. I have them lay down, I'd have them take some extra anti-inflammatories, I'd have them go for a walk or do something like that. But the key is you gotta leave it alone. If you keep digging on it, you're gonna have to start again. I actually give the analogy of like a broken bone. So what happens when you break a bone? The, the, you cast it and you leave it alone for a while. This is the same thing going on in your low back. So if you try to move it around too quick, it's actually gonna start the clock all over again. Mm. This just goes back to education, you know, being like I'm a be like yeah a lot of people miss this. Um, I've been a massage be like I've been a massage therapist, but I'm also a doctor, and I understand there's a problem deeper going on in your disc, and then explaining it and drawing it and being like this is what happens. They usually last for about two to ten days. Um, the first seventy two hours are the worst. Here's what to do from here, and then once it settles down, we have you come back in a week, and then we really evaluate to get to the root cause of why this is happening because. 
when people get a couple of these and they usually what happens is the first one's intense but it washes out in a few days but when they actually start to get multiple ones of these that last for five or six days they're 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 going to be smart enough and know that there's something else going on and that's where we talked about the idea of pitching yourself as the expert being like like if someone just picks up the phone is like my back hurts and i want to come in and see you be like you know i tend to deal with more chronic stuff so yeah go try them let them figure it out on their own sometimes people have to figure out problems their own way let them go and if they feel better after getting massage and the QL thing isn't there, then that's fine and it's okay. But you want to go after those people that have done multiple things, tried multiple things, and they they get results from you. Look at your guy with the ankle, right? Yeah. How much yeah, more yeah. appreciative is he? What if he would have just you would have been the first one he saw? He wouldn't have appreciated it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can even think of I'm thinking of one person in particular, but um, that's sort of had uh, like QL irritation just for a long, long time, and um, and it doesn't go away. And I think, yeah, I, I mean, this sort of explains that. I think. So yeah, go. It always goes back to what we talked about about diagnosis and being specific. It's like everything has to have a tissue specific diagnosis. So you come if you come in and say QL irritation, that doesn't tell me anything. It would have to be possibly it could be scar tissue in the QL. It could be weakness in the QL. It could be something. But it's like it's continuing to ask the question of why. Why is this happening? Why is this one happening? And then getting to the root cause of that and doing a functional evaluation and explaining, yes, it hurts here, but it's only hurting because it's doing all the extra work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, it's just... um something that's come up a couple of times. I think uh, I've heard, uh, you know, stories of someone coming in with that sort of thing and um, thinking that they would just need to get a bit of soft tissue work and they'll be good to go. And then, um, you know, the risk with that is that patient, you could put them on the table and you might not even get them back up again. So it's... Um, exactly. And that's where you go and you, you share some stories. Be like, I've seen this before and I've made this mistake. Be like, I've done this yeah. before. I've made this mistake. And... I had a guy that came in and, you know, I worked his QL, did some work to release some areas around that. He jumped off the table, felt amazing, went home and not even out his way to the car. He fell over in the parking lot because it spasmed again. That spasm is happening for a reason. Respect the symptoms of what your body tells you. Don't, don't try to mitigate it. And any doctor out there that's doctor or therapist that's only trying to address your symptoms and not function is not going to be able to help you. Another big thing for you is getting comfortable turning people away. Don't be that guy. Be like, yeah, go ahead. Like if it's, if it's acute and they're like, I just need to be seen right now. They're not going to respect you. They're not going to respect your treatment. There's something beautiful and simplistic in someone that's been through the ringer. When they see how much value you have and that you help them and you diagnose them correctly. Oh my gosh, you got a patient for life, man. As opposed to like looking for those people that just want that quick fix. Because it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, no, good advice. I think you just gotta gotta have your uh, have your radar up at all, all times and just um, yeah, evaluate everything as it comes through. People have to they have to experience a lot of shitty stuff before they ever appreciate what you do. Like I said, I'd rather be the fourth or fifth practitioner they've seen than the first one. They're gonna appreciate a lot more. All right, last question: Frequency of treatment. What are some general guidelines that you you find work well in a clinic in in clinic in terms of scheduling 
patient follow-ups and how it progresses throughout a case, i.e. twice a week, once a week, etc. Um, what I find is that patients need to be told what to do. Regardless, they are coming to you as the expert and you are the person that needs to give them what they need. And it is not a recommendation, it is your prescription for what they need. And I start everybody off with twice a week for four weeks to get started. So it was that twice a week for four weeks? Twice a week for four weeks to get started. Okay. We, we can't make a dent in any of this if I don't have at least eight visits to get started. I emphasize get started. And if they, yeah. if they fight you back and say, well, I only want to do, well, I can only commit to like two or three, I'd be like, well, here's the thing. So, Chris, let's say you go to your, your doctor and you have some infection. And he goes, okay, well, I'm going to give you these antibiotics and you need to take them for 10 days and then your problem will be gone. And you go, okay, but then you decide you only want to take them for three days and then your problem goes away for a little bit, but it comes back. Can you see why that happened? Because you didn't finish off the prescription. The same thing is with your body and your health. Yeah. And it's just being yeah. clear, like not, not feeling bad, like never apologize for treatment. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to say too many because... You know, whatever. It's like, no, if, if you got to tell them what they need and to get started at chipping away at all this scar tissue and get you moving better, I need to see you twice a week for the next four weeks. Does that work for you? And then you handle the rebuttals or their bullshit reasons why. Because honestly, like nothing's worse for you than say someone does two or three visits and they didn't commit to it. And then what are they going to say? They're going to say, oh, I went to that guy and he didn't help me, which is bullshit. Yeah. The, what, what, what happened was they couldn't commit to doing that and it gets patients out of their way. That's why I do the case fee. Like it gets you to commit. It's like, Hey, this is what it needs. And if it doesn't, then don't waste my time and definitely don't waste your time. So with that initial patient for eight visits over four weeks, is that where you would recommend that they invest in that upfront? Well, I make a, in our clinic, we make them, I make them, I make them pay for everything um, yeah. on our case, but I think there would be definitely um, advantage to getting them to commit to those eight visits and pay for it up front. Um, even offering them like a little discount or something, be like, hey, if you pay for all these up front, we actually give you 10% off today. You know, something like that. Because now you got them for at least eight visits. The problem you run into that one that I ran into before when I had them pay for the, just the eight visits up front, they thought they were done at visit eight. But mm -hmm it still gives you a way better chance to um, get them to stick around and, and shows you if they're willing to invest in their health. And, and by eight visits, you know, if it's the right treatment for them, then they should be, um, they should be seeing some pretty significant benefits. And it, all, it all goes back to, um, I talked about that today. Um, what did I talk? I talked to that today on IG and LinkedIn about functional, functional testing and functional progress. Like, if you only worry about how they feel, but if that's what we talked about, you take pictures, you measure things, you measure progress, like they shouldn't have any problems with that. They should actually see and be like, oh yeah, that does make a big difference. If you have yeah. objective yeah, data, absolutely. not just like, hey, how do you feel? You know, that doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah, completely. I think that's, that's you know, one of the really powerful things and even just a, like a, a test retest either side of a, a session just to, to show improvement.
um, that you, you've done within there, you know, that's pretty powerful too. I think the biggest take home for all this, like I said, is like, don't apologize for treatment. Don't apologize for what they need. You know, we get that. We tend to be like, oh, well, they need this, but I'd really like, yeah, but I'm afraid they won't. Like, you need to tell them the truth. People are coming to you to be a leader, not their friend. And I've learned that as well. Is like they're coming to you for advice and for you to be. And if you're wishy-washy, they're not going to listen. It's like get to the point and, and tell them what they need to hear so they can get where they need to be. Yeah, I think uh, like a bit of a barrier to that sometimes is just um, being okay with, with money and like the money aspect of things. And, you know, um, I don't know. It's If it's just sort of like my relationship with money kind of thing, it's, it's sort of... Um, I don't know, maybe I, I value money a lot more. So it's like sometimes it's it's hard to, um, you know, to want to ask people to, to, even if, you know, you have a great product and you believe in it and it's worth it and they need it and all these things are good, but it's there's still some weird thing about sort of being comfortable just with asking for money. If you yeah, that's, that's, that's some shit you got to work through, man. Um, yeah. That'll, that'll cripple you going forward. And I, I've been like that too, but it's like uh, tomorrow, keep an eye on my, um, my IG feed and my, yeah, I actually, I actually talk about $147,000 for lumbar fusion surgery that might not even work and could actually kill you. And they got no problem saying that. So we're undercharging what we do. If you, it's your duty and your obligation if you have an amazing product that you need to charge accordingly because the other thing is if you don't charge enough, people don't value it as enough. And that yeah. that makes yeah. a big difference. So yeah, there's a lot of things um, with your money mindset and stuff like that. It's like, well, are you taking out loans to go to school? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so course, you're, lo- yeah. You're, lo- you're, you're paying a shitload in loans and that money will kick in. So you gotta charge accordingly because you have value. You're way better than the dickhead down the street that just popping and cracking people's necks, you're providing way more value. And you gotta own that, that comes with swagger, but that also comes with, as you get better, you get better conviction too, that'll come. You'll get better at that. I used to be the same way. You, you, I got no problem telling what we charge, straight up. Yeah, yeah, I think that'll sort of, as you say, come with, with time and that gets some, as we sort of say, here's some runs on the board kind of thing to back it up. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird kind of uncomfortable, mindset thing to to work through but the big thing that i look at is like think of all the things people spend money on and think about it think of all the things you spend money on and like none of them are actually your health so how much more valuable is all that yeah it's just how it's just how you educate and how you present it but yeah good stuff man um you want to do the same time next week yeah what's me awesome man